Hello, my friend. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks for clicking play. Welcome to the Elysium Aesthetic Course. Welcome to this journey that you and I get to go on. It's an adventure, delving into the realms of art, delving into acting and finding the way forward. Forward, forward until we cross some sort of a finish line of it. You and I are after something meaningful and significant and definitely enjoyable. In thinking of ways to get started, I couldn't shake this one poem that has sat with me throughout my life. It's a poem called Ithaca by C.P. Cavafy, and I don't know a better way for us as teammates to get started. So here goes. As you set out for Ithaca, hope your road is a long one, full of adventure, full of discovery. Lastragonians, Cyclops, angry Poseidon, don't be afraid of them. You'll never find things like that on your way as long as you keep your thoughts raised high, as long as a rare excitement stirs your spirit and your body. Lastragonians, Cyclops, wild Poseidon, you won't encounter them unless you bring them along inside your soul, unless your soul sets them up in front of you. Hope your road is a long one. May there be many summer mornings when, with what pleasure, what joy, you enter harbors you're seeing for the first time. May you stop at Phoenician trading stations to buy fine things, mother of pearl and coral, amber and ebony, sensual perfume of every kind, as many sensual perfumes as you can. And may you visit many Egyptian cities to learn and go on learning from their scholars. Keep Ithaca always in your mind. Arriving there is what you're destined for. But don't hurry the journey at all. Better if it lasts for years, so you're old by the time you reach the island, wealthy with all you've gained on the way, not expecting Ithaca to make you rich. Ithaca gave you the marvelous journey. Without her, you wouldn't have set out. She has nothing left to give you now. And if you find her poor, Ithaca won't have fooled you. Wise as you will have become, so full of experience, you'll have understood by then what these Ithacas mean. Game on. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. I want to go somewhere significant with you. I really want to do the work with you to help you cross the finish line. What we're after is unlocking and unleashing your potential. And we have got to do this together, me and you. So instead of just being a voice, speaking to you, nudging you forward, inspiring your craft, I figured I would share some moments that have had an effect on me, that have shaped my artistic heart, that make me who I am. And in putting myself in your shoes... I'd want to make sure that the person who's my teammate, that we're kindred spirits, that we have a similar worldview, that the things we want to work hard at are for a good reason, that there's purpose behind the passion. I'm going to be asking for an extraordinary amount of your energy, of your devotion to yourself, to the nooks and crannies of the things that we're going to talk about. And so it's only fair for you to get to see the nooks and crannies of where all this artistic inspiration came from. 
so that we can earn the sense of being kindred spirits, that we don't take anything for granted over here. You know where I came from, and you understand the passion behind this direction that we're both after. When I got started, I didn't know anything about acting, outside of watching TV and movies growing up. Growing up, my family was very conservative. Just the idea of acting was not even a career option. My mom and dad, they went to a little bit of community college, but they didn't graduate. So even tons of educational ideas and options, these weren't so much things that were on my plate. If there was anything I was excited about when I was younger, it was about being a doctor. When I got to school, that was my focus. I was going to be a doctor. But it wasn't until a friend of mine came over to me and said that you're a really good storyteller. And I think a fabulous hobby for you would be acting. There's a dramatic society in this school, she said, and I want you to promise me that you're just going to go audition for the upcoming show. I have a hunch you'd be great at it, and I think you'd have a really good time with it, so just promise me you're going to go at least audition. <laughs> what does this mean? What I knew nothing about any of this stuff outside of what you watch on TV, what you see in movies, but I did it. I did it for her, and it was ridiculous. I took the script that they asked me to say, and I just wanted to be part of the club. I hadn't seen any theater in my life up until that point. Not at all. Only stuff on TV. Only theater on television where they cut out the faces so you could be a tree standing still. You could be a soldier holding on to your spear and not moving. Like, whatever it took to be part of the club, that's my entry into this world of acting. That's my first audition. I knew nothing other than try hard and see if you can get to be part of the team. So here I am on stage, standing as still as possible. (laughs) And the lights are on me, and I can't see a single thing. It's just pure darkness everywhere, and the light is just piercing through me. Now, out of nowhere, out of this darkness, I hear this direction, this booming voice from the darkness say to me, Some movement, please. And so I started to sway back and forth, like a tree. That, I mean, that's how much I understood about acting when I got started. Here I am, just about 20 years old, in college, and I'm swaying back and forth because someone's asking me for some movement. I am being the best tree that I could be. I leave the audition. And as I'm heading outside, almost outside of the building, the doors of the theater slam open, and there's the director standing there, and he looks at me and he goes, What the heck were you doing? And I said to him, really innocently, straightforward, with so much earnestness, I was just trying to show the movement of a tree. If you could just consider me for any role, whether it's a rock, a tree, I don't know if there are soldiers. What about being the character, he says to me. This is in front of everybody, whoever's in that waiting room, whoever checked me in. I'm standing there, and it was in that exact moment that that thought first dawned on me. Oh, that's how you do this thing. Be the character. I'm sure I went scarlet. I must have been some shade of purple or whatnot. But he says to me, come on back in there and give that another shot. So I tried again, and I got the role. That was my first role. So no matter what, I'm built from the beginning to know that there is something important inside of you and it's just a matter of knowing how to get it out. I'm built to bet on you. In all aspects of this work, we've got to start somewhere, sure. But you don't need a single thing, not a single thing, to be worthwhile and to be worth betting on. That's why I'm here. That's why I got started. 
So it's my life's passion to give you that shot, not just to get started, but to get everything you're after as an actor. If you're willing to risk and roar, we've got your back. I am all in. And I was in the Dramatic Society. I got the role. And that role was a narrator role. It gave me a chance to do something that I think has shaped my understanding of what I love about all of this stuff, what I think is good about all of this stuff. Being a narrator, getting to stand up there in front of the audience, speak my heart to them, get to look them right in the eye instead of talking at them, get to talk to their souls. Oh yeah, that was addicting. That was significant. That's something that I never got a chance to do in life. Stand there in front of somebody else raw truth, shared human experience. I mean, there are only special times in life where I got a taste of something like that. But there I was, standing there every night, getting to wear my heart on my sleeve, getting to be more honest than I am in life. It's tasting life in a way that made everything else feel like sleepwalking. I was awake. I was alive. I'm not sure how you got started. I don't know what inside of you sparks, feels alive when you're acting, but it does, doesn't it? You feel that pull. You feel that sense of something that's different than what it's like to conveyor belt ourselves through life just to sleepwalk through it. So I mean it when I say that this thing that we want to do together should be significant. I'm not interested in the fluff. I'm definitely interested in the fun. I'm interested in the adventure. But I'm not interested in scratching the surface. I'm interested in something that pierces. Something that is the, oh yeah, this is why I'm in it from the beginning sort of deal. So that's my mission with you, my friend. That we find the reason why you love this. And we work from there. And we build a world of muscle builders. Tools, technique, a perspective on how to deal with anything that shows up in the profession. But it sources itself from why you love what you do. I don't think that ever needs to stop. I don't think that ever needs to stop this reason why we want to be actors in the first place. That's our goal. That's our target. To create a world where that doesn't stop. Where it's a tidal wave carrying us forward for the rest of our acting careers. Something different happened, though, with my second role. In this dramatic society, there were a lot of people when I first joined, but the second show that they had, it's a three-person show, but one of the characters just comes in all the way at the end of the script, and so it's really just a two-person show. It was so intimate, that rehearsal process, the director actually dismissed the stage manager for the course of the rehearsal process. There was nowhere to hide. It was just... Me, the other actor, and this director. And every day was about coming in to move it all forward, right? There's nowhere to hide whatsoever. So if you don't do the work, if I wasn't prepared, I was sunk. The spotlight would be right on me. On the other hand, it was about my challenges, my discoveries, my needs, me and my teammate. It was about just what we were going through. That intimacy let me delve into the nooks and crannies. Let me discover what rehearsal could be. Discoveries, challenges, making progress, nowhere to hide, needing to show up prepared. 
Whatever spark I found in that first show started really roaring into a flame, a passion, something that my Scorpioness started to get real stubborn with. I knew this is what I was great at. I knew this is what I wanted to do in my life. I, uh, here I am, supposed to be a doctor, supposed to be in pre-med. What am I gonna do with my life? How do I make this all happen? Things are complicated. That's where I got started from. It wasn't some sort of clarity. It was an awakening and then a what now? I knew I loved acting, but it wasn't until a friend of mine, Adam, who had been in the Dramatic Society when I got started with the previous show, but because there wasn't a role with him, he used that as an opportunity to audition and transfer into NYU, New York University's Tisch School of the Arts. Now, he came back and saw this show that I was in and said to me, Aaron, you're really good. So good that you have to make a decision for yourself, whether you want to play pretend over here or whether you want to learn what it's like to be a professional actor, to do it for real. What a way to phrase that for me. Play pretend or learn what it's like to be a professional actor. What does that mean to be a professional actor? I see things on TV. I see actors in movies. It feels really exciting to see that lifestyle. But how do I enter into all of that stuff? I mean, I picked up a script. I've rehearsed a little bit. But the larger idea of what it means to be professional, to do it for real, I knew nothing about that. So he invited me to spend a day in his class at the Stella Adler Conservatory, one of the many different groups of studios, different techniques and training methods that comprise... NYU's Tisch School of the Arts. So I get to spend a day here at the Stella Adler Conservatory. It felt like walking into Hogwarts. The things that were happening throughout the day, it just did not feel like school. If anything, it felt like the most fun camp you could possibly go to. It felt like a scam. How did these people convince their parents, the world around them, that they're in school? This is fun. I am a believer in hard work, in training like an Olympian trains to be able to get gold. I believe in you being the best that you can be and earning it. But my gosh, it should be fun. We may not want to play pretend, but boy, do we want to play. We want to enjoy. What a gift to get to be an actor, to get to go into all of these realms. This world of training where people are rolling around on the floor, they're dancing, they're doing improv, they're doing scene study class. On their time off, they get to go to lunch together and share discoveries and challenges. And what a sense of communal growth. That's something that felt like the fuel or the surrounding atmosphere that sets an actor free, that sets them up for the success of training. I never forgot that, and everything that we're building in Elysium is about this world that surrounds you, that inspires your soul to go, I am fortunate. High five, me. Yes to acting. Yes to the training that I have in front of me. This is our goal all shaped by walking into that world of Hogwarts on that one day. Well, wouldn't you know it? I took his advice and I auditioned for NYU. I had prepared mightily. I went to the drama bookstore, found myself a wonderful monologue from the play A Boy's Life, had another piece from the show that I was doing in this dramatic society. I started with that piece in my audition and save the emotional wallop of a monologue that I had learned how to cry and do all of this emoting stuff for, that would be the landing blow, the second piece that I did that would really convince them that I had the gravitas to do this. Well, they cut me off midway through my first piece. 
sitting there auditioning for this guy, and he says, "Okay, that's it. Come on, bring over, uh, bring over a chair. Sit down over here and uh, tell me why you want to be an actor." Well, I said, "It's it's when I feel the most alive and the most true." He puts an X down on the pad of paper. It didn't feel friendly. <laughs> says to me, "Which of the studios that we have here do you think most represent your way of acting?" Boy, was I not prepared, and boy, did I realize it in that moment. Studios, all I knew was this Adler studio, and so I said, I had a really good time watching this aspect of the work in Adler and this aspect of the work in Adler. He said, what else besides Adler? I didn't even know another name to be able to give him. He marked a big X and said, you don't know much about this school, do you? I said, no, I don't. And he said, okay, thank you. That's all the time I have today. Uh, please send in the next person as you leave. That was it. I was convinced I didn't make it. Wouldn't you know it, I made it. Wouldn't you know it, I got the big envelope in the mail. And they gave me a chance to join what would be called the Transfer Studio. It's the first time they were creating a studio for people who join midway through the year instead of starting in the typical fall semester. NYU is made up of a bunch of different studios, and it's like primary studios where you study with that training technique for two full years. Here, they have this new spring studio. One of the reasons why I bring this up that was so significant for me was they were littering this spring studio, not with one technique, but with like a sample, a poo-poo platter, a smorgasbord of different tastes from all the different studios that were there. From the first moment I entered into that type of world, that class, with all these teachers so passionate about the techniques and the perspectives that they had, but only having the small little bit of time to be able to impart that to us. And then the next teacher would come in and not really speak the language of the teacher beforehand. When we would ask questions, they would not really be able to give us answers on ways that would connect the work. So most of the time, the answer was, stop asking questions, just do it. It's not important that you understand it, it's just important that we do something in your instrument. Ugh, that wasn't me. That wasn't the way that I worked. I wanted to make connections. It seems so valuable, this thing that this teacher is teaching. Isn't there something valuable in everything that every actor needs to be able to move them forward? I didn't have the means to be able to get at it, but I started scratching and clawing for ways that it connected, ways that everything helps with all these challenges that we actors face. Before delving too far into that, I want to share one story that I hope resonates. When I got accepted into NYU, I went to the director of this dramatic society that I was currently in. And I told him that this was an opportunity for me. And he said to me, I don't want to lose you, Aaron, but of course I want what's best for you. So let me give you something to consider. If you stay here, you get to be a big fish in a real small pond. But if you go to NYU, you might be a tiny guppy in a huge ocean. The first thought, instantly ricocheting, was, well, what if I get to be a big fish in that big ocean? Acting is a tough profession to just dabble in. I mean, as a hobby... It's great. But why do we get in this profession in the first place? I can't imagine that you want to be average. I can't even imagine that you just want to be good. This is art. I imagine you want to be a big old fish in whatever ocean, no matter the size of the ocean, you want to be that big old fish inside that ocean, just like I want it to be. 
I don't think anyone does this, works hard, devotes their life to this in any significant way to be a guppy lost at sea. I'm laying this out for you right here at the beginning. That's where my sights are set. You and me, I'm betting that we're kindred spirits. I want you to be the best of yourself. Just like the head of the program wanted for me when he was laying it all out there and giving me the choice. Do you want the safer route or do you want to go into this unknown? And from that moment on, when he said that to me, I always wondered, what does that mean to be that big fish in that big ocean? I mean, I couldn't even possibly understand what acting involved, the muscles that I would need to build, challenges that I would need to face. But this spirit, (laughs) this is where I hope you and I are kindred willing to do whatever it takes to be our best. If there's something that you can give me, something that you could place on my radar screen, that now it's just about me, whether I'm willing to do it or not, but it will lead me forward, game on. That's what I want. There's no one in the world who could be you, who could taste what you know inside of your creative soul, who can live with the nuance of life the way that you can. This world of acting is not competitive in the way that we're taught. When you are at your best, there is no one who can reach that. You are what the moment is waiting for. The biggest fish in the biggest ocean. This was what I had inside of me saying, I can do this. I want this. This is what I'm going to go for. This is the fuel that made me go tell my parents, I'm no longer going to be a doctor. I'm no longer going to go in this realm of pre-med. I'm going to go into the world of acting. (laughs) This thing inside of us that has to push back against the world telling us, don't go in this direction. Man alive, I understand it. I know the force, the weight pushing against it. And I'm your teammate in terms of investing in this fuel inside of you that lets you know that you can do it. That lets you know that you're meant to do it. That the world needs you to do it. I put myself out there and I did not know anything. Really anything in terms of acting. But I went for it because it felt like I had something to offer. I felt the best of myself doing it. And boy, I think that's reason enough to try at anything. Well, here I was in this spring transfer studio, getting a taste of all these different techniques, all these different methods. But starting in nowhere's land, the way that I felt I did in my dramatic society, I didn't know anything. People would go around talking about playwrights and actors, and I knew very, very few, very, very few. I didn't have a sense about me that I knew everything. I was curious. I was really interested in all these different techniques and somewhat worried or frustrated or alarmed at the fact that starting in the fall, I wouldn't have any opportunity to continue learning from that teacher or in that direction. It would be all in in one of these directions. This never left me. This wondering of what is going on in those other studios. All those doors of curiosity opened in the spring studio, and they have never shut for me since. I've never stopped wondering about what would happen if an actor could get trained in the best of everything. Oh, I don't mean everything. Of course not. I mean the best of everything, the things that are the most important to you, to me, to what real life acting is all about. Imagine an actor who's privy to all of that muscle building, to all of those unique 
perspectives. Can you imagine what is possible? When technique is about unleashing your unique artistry, your unique ability to celebrate anything that's being asked of you and to take it all to the next level in a way that only you can do it, any collaborative request. Can you imagine that? What if all the muscles, the best of everything that could be shaped, was infused into one way of going about your business? What's that way? I have challenges and I don't accept being stuck. I want the best of myself. What tool, what technique, what thing do we have to invent if necessary in order to build the muscle that helps me soar? What if all the doors were open, all the muscles could get built because an actor needs them? What if the focus was on the actor's needs and everything was fair game? In our work together, we're going to be curious. We're going to be empowering and I'm going to do my best to inspire you into all the gold that exists for each of the different tools we'll learn, each of the different exercises and muscles that we will be building. After the transfer studio... I got placed in the Meisner extension under the tutelage of Vicky Hart. And I'll say, I almost got tossed out after my first month there. I was blowing off yoga just a little bit. Ah, it wasn't acting class. It was yoga. I was drinking my coffee luxuriously, reading sports pages instead of being there on time. I'd show up just a couple minutes late, always. Just a couple minutes late, but always. I probably didn't feel comfortable with the stretches, with engaging my body in that direction, with things. And it manifested with this little way of me resisting. You know what I mean, right? These times when, for whatever reason, it just, it bugs you to be there, bugs you to engage yourself. And I just didn't think it mattered so much because it was yoga. Well, then my teacher, Vicky, the head of the Meisner studio, calls me in and she says, All right, Aaron, I'm tossing you out of the Meisner program, sending you back to the dean so we can find you a different program, because I cannot invest in somebody who isn't going to build the necessary muscles to succeed in the profession, who's going to take this amazing profession for granted. She meant it. And right then and there, every single thing that I felt that I was building towards, that I was meant for, that I was working hard at, it was all going to get sucked away just like that. My grandfather, oh, one of the most important figures in my entire life, and he passed away when I was 12 years old. And since that time, when I was 12, I had not cried. And when Vicky told me that she was sending me away... I started crying. I started crying so much I couldn't stop for an hour. I mean, beyond the time when I felt like I was even sad, beyond any resolution that Vicky and I had come to, something erupted in my soul. I didn't know I cared that much about acting. Yeah, I guess I took it for granted. Well, Vicky made me sign a contract that I would not be late for a single class, not just yoga, any single class for the rest of that semester, that fall semester. <laughs> From that moment on, not only did I not come late a single time for the rest of that fall semester, not only was I on time for every class for the rest of the entire two-year program, every single class, every single rehearsal, 
But for the most part, I was there an hour early. I just changed everything. It's like you cannot take any chances when push comes to shove like that. I just looked at my life and I didn't want to let myself even mistakenly lose this important thing. I changed my alarm an hour and a half earlier in the mornings. I cut my lunch break in half and I was back in the studio warming up or getting ready and the beginning at least making sure everybody saw me there on time and early. I would greet the teachers with my cup of coffee when they would come in in the morning. I just changed. I didn't want to be a little bit better. I wanted to be the best at it. Something landed on my radar screen that showed me I was having difficulty, that let me know this is not good. This is not going to lead you to success. I didn't want to just get past that. I wanted to be the best of this thing that I had had a challenge with, to be the idea of being on time. And it wasn't my first instinct. It wasn't the way that I worked. I like to sleep in late. I like to go to sleep super late at night. I'm a night owl. But I changed my alarm. I made sure to be there to greet every single one of those teachers. There was something I can do and I did it. My spirit roared once I was given an angle in which to be able to focus on. This is what I believe in terms of our technique, in terms of the way that we're going to work together. The Elysium Aesthetic is not a series of tricks, of things that you can do so that you can fake your way forward. What are those things that we can do when we face challenges? It doesn't matter the challenge. It doesn't matter the way you think you're built, the weaknesses you may have that you think you're going to be susceptible for. Whatever the challenge is, my life is centered around, my passion is centered around, and the Elysium aesthetic is centered around grabbing onto that challenge and turning it into a trampoline, getting to the heart of what is needed, what you can do about things, and launching yourself forward. This is where it came from. There are so many things to consider when deciding what is the right training program for you. You want to find a teacher that's a kindred spirit. You want to find tools that make sense to you, that feel like they would move you forward. When sitting here and thinking about how do we get started and the things that you're deciding and wondering about in terms of whether the Elysium aesthetic is right for you as an actor, this type of experience strikes right at the heart of how I see your job in doing the work. I didn't know that coming late was going to have such an effect in terms of the profession. I just didn't know that. I thought it had to do with talent. I had a teacher who said to me, this is something that's going to make or break your professionalism as an actor. You have to commit to this. I'm sharing this with you right now because you have to ask yourself, what is your version of coming a few minutes late to yoga? Right now, in the world, in terms of you moving forward as an actor, what is that thing that you are just taking for granted? Maybe it's just a few minutes late. Just a few minutes late to yoga, but what is that for you? And then my question for you is, what's your contract? What would be the contract that you would write up for yourself to hold yourself to account? Now you have a choice. Are you going to fulfill the responsibility of that contract? Or are you going to use it as a trampoline to excel, to achieve your potential, not just to cross the line, but to define it? 
This is a technique if you are the sort of person who tastes what you can do for this profession and that you're willing, that you're eager to do the work to cross the finish line of that potential of yours. If you can feel something special inside of yourself, that this isn't just a passing fancy, but something you feel you could be great at, I'm going to be counting on that drive and that willingness inside of you, throwing tools your way that take advantage of that roaring spirit inside of you. That drive, that willingness that we're going to count on in the Elysium aesthetic to do things. In my case, it was showing up on time, not just for yoga, but for everything. What those doings are, when we place them in front of you here in the Elysium aesthetic, and you want to roar forward into those doings to be the best that you possibly can be, we also need to remember that that drive and that willingness, it needs channeling. There were two other moments in NYU that come to taste, that sort of opened my eyes to the ways that I could apply this drive, this roar to say, I want to succeed. I don't want to play pretend, but I want to be the best of myself. I needed a way to apply that. What were ways that I could separate myself? What were ways, aside from being on time, that would set a standard, that would be the version of being the first one there greeting everybody at the door? Well, the next big old moment that had an effect on how to channel all of that had to do with this trapezius release that we were working on in our Williamson movement class. We were being taught by Nate Flower this Williamson movement technique. Your trapezius muscle is the muscle that stores the tension whenever you bite your tongue, whenever you don't share your truth and let out how you feel when you store it, when you keep your opinion, your truth in, all that tension gets stored in the trapezius. So Nate, our teacher, asked if there was anybody who would like to go first. I shot my hand up in the air and I offered myself up as a guinea pig for this new trapezius release exercise. He sat me down and he started to squeeze on that trapezius and boy, oh boy, was it intense. And his direction for me was to breathe into the areas that were intense and release whatever that felt like into unapologetic sound. And holy moly, was that a game-changing exercise. I just kept breathing into the intensity of that release and sent it out in unapologetic sound. I didn't even realize that tears are pouring down my eyes. It was one of the deepest physical releases of my life. Nate pulled me aside after class and said to me, Aaron, it usually takes us well over a month to be able to get to an example for the class of such a release, of such willingness to surrender and accept the work. What you did right there was move us all forward by a month. Holy moly, when he gave me that feedback, I was like, what did I do? Surrender and acceptance. I mean, I have such a willingness in me to roar forward, to do the work, to push myself, even when it's uncomfortable. But here, I found this next level success from a type of letting go. I didn't know in my brain how to do the thing that Nate was asking me to do. No matter my willingness, no matter my drive, I couldn't think my way into success. There was something about letting go, surrendering to the physical experience that was happening all around me. That ability to let go, to surrender. How many times in class did I keep hearing teachers say, just let go, accept it, surrender to the impulse, surrender to where the imagination is taking you? You keep hearing these things. And the question is, well, how? And why is it easier on some days for me to let go and surrender? And on other days, it feels far away. It feels foreign. Why is it easier for one person and harder for the other? 
This is something I'm interested in. Surrendering, accepting is so fundamental for being present, for being in the now, for being vulnerable with your humanity so that it can be something that tastes that moment truthfully. Ha ha ha. Surrender and acceptance was now something that I was on the hunt for. And that has continued through all the classes that I've taught, through all the roles that I've been working on as an actor, for the times that I've directed other actors and trying to get them to attain that level, that finish line of fulfilling their potential. What does it take for the artist, for the human, to surrender and to accept the now, unapologetically, fearlessly? Whew. That aspect of surrender and acceptance is now going to be a superpower for you. So, with all this drive, with all this determination to do, not to play pretend, but to succeed by doing the work, there still is this beautiful aspect that we have to learn about our instrument, about letting our instinct guide us, our physical truth guide us, our ability to let go and be affected guide us. Another thing that helped me understand what it takes for an actor to separate themselves from the pack was right before we were being let go for our Christmas break, we had all just finished a last round of scene study stuff. And Vicky, our teacher, had given us a character to prepare from the Spoon River Anthology, a series of small little poems that focused on person by person in this community, in this village of Spoon River. The context that she gave us were that these are the voices, this is the text of someone who has already died. God is giving your character the opportunity to come back from the dead one time only, to speak from your soul, to say anything that you want to, to whoever you want to in this town of Spoon River. Wow, wow, these are awesome circumstances to be able to live through. She told everybody, go ahead, prepare for it, and we'll start dealing with it when we come back from the Christmas break. The last day of class before Christmas, she just turned to everybody and said, Has anybody prepared? Would anybody like to go? My hand was the only hand that shot up. From that moment that she had laid down the law for me, anything that I could do, I was going to do it first and foremost. I wasn't going to show up without having everything done. And when I popped my hand up in the air, she said to me, listen, whatever work you've done, I just want to know the truth of what's there. I want you to leave the room. I want you to come back into the room. The second you enter into this room, you are back from the dead. But when you leave this room, you better know this. You will never get an opportunity ever again to come back from the dead. But I just want you to speak from your soul. Don't worry about the text that was written for you. If it comes up, sure, that's great. You speak whatever you want to and know that when it's done, it's done. My character was Indignation Jones. My daughter had been severely abused, beaten, killed. I got the opportunity to come back from the dead to look those people in the eye from the town and let them know to sear it in their soul exactly what they did so that it would be impossible for their soul to ever forget it. And I walked out and never needed to come back. After class, Vicky gave me a similar note to what Nate had said, something that has clarified everything for me as a teacher. What she said to me was, Aaron, you moved everybody forward because you came in prepared. Everybody gets to go home over Christmas now with a direction to aim for, with a target. And that was something that you did. You took everybody forward because you showed up prepared. You showed up ready to work. 
Oh, that was it. That stuck with me. Ready to work. I understood that now in a different way. Beforehand, it was just about trying the best that you possibly could. Showing up and expecting the director, the teacher to help you get started, get moving just a little bit more. No one would expect any level of perfection when you're just showing up to an audition, when you're showing up to the first rehearsal, right? Here, Vicky was showing me a new path. You have these things that you can do. You're the one who decides when you're ready. You're the one who decides what you want to come in with. She said to me that I was ready to work, and I knew what that meant. That meant ready to be the character, ready to live. And so that's our goal. For us over here at the Elysium Aesthetic, in terms of our work getting ready for auditions, for rehearsals, let alone for things like performances, we're ready when we're free. We're ready. Our finish line, our sense of coming into that audition is when we're ready to live as the character. That's a professional separator. That sense of taking care of yourself, showing up ready to work, ready to live, that is something that's going to set up the type of success that we're after over here. I entered into NYU with so much hope, with so much drive, with this question of what do you want to do? Do you want to do this for real or do you want to play pretend? And I wanted to do this for real. And I slammed into that brick wall of showing up late, of almost having everything taken away from me. I just took it for granted. But... Because I was given the opportunity to see clearly how to be better, to see clearly the choice between doing it all the way or doing it halfway, I was able to roar forward. That spirit inside of me, that willingness to be the best of myself, culminated with me receiving the Outstanding Achievement in Acting Award. And boy, as much as that's a wonderful thing to say, the Outstanding Achievement over there was me stepping up to my potential. That's what I'm after with you, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. There really isn't any type of comparison between anybody else working in this technique, anybody else working in any other technique. I believe so much in resistance training. I believe in you facing the things that you need to face, the doubts inside of you, the things that rob you of belief, that make you feel like a fraud and that you're not the character. You've got to face those things down. You've got to do the work. And even if you do the work, there's no guarantee in terms of the profession being able to go ahead and hand you anything. Boy, did I learn that lesson. When I graduated, we had a showcase at NYU in front of all the famous agencies and all of that stuff. And I got a phone call from an agent who wanted to know the phone number of my scene partner because that's who they wanted to offer a contract to. (laughs) I worked so darn hard. By the time we were doing a culminative project, our final show in the NYU program... I thought I had earned the lead role. In this show, there's all these roles with only one that was the lead and everybody else was double cast. And I thought, oh, I had been doing such hard work, showing up early, doing everything. I was for sure going to get the lead role. And I didn't get the lead role. And I remember walking into Vicky's office and asking her, how come I didn't get what I thought I deserved? She said, Aaron, if this was a professional moment instead of a training opportunity, I would never work with you again. It shows me what you miss. It shows me your lack of ability. These are human lives with so much texture, so much going on in each of these characters. Are you counting the lines to see which one is the biggest? How do you know the gold that is available to you that will open up your eyes and your humanity for other roles, for other things, for other strengths and muscles in this profession? Wow, I'll tell you that that show that we did, Our Country's Good by Timberlake Wordenbaker, 
I think of many times when I've had success, when I've been fully transformed and living truthfully as the character. But I can't think of any time in my entire career, my entire professional acting life, that I was so fully transformed over the course of a scene, start to finish, than I was playing the governor in that show. Oh, it was such a wonderful moment. I'd love to share it with you right now. I start as a prisoner, right? Because I'm double cast. And here I am in jail as a prisoner. At the end of the scene, I get up in my cuffs. I walk to the edge of the stage. And the way that our director had set this up was that we, the cast, sat at the edges of the stage amidst the audience. We were all part of it. When we left the scene, we just moved to the edge of the stage and sat down in costume and the whatnot. But here I get up with my cuffs, I walk to the edge where one of my teammates, one of the cast, stands up with my governor's robes, another member of the cast takes off my handcuffs, I slip my hands into the governor's robes, turn around and enter the scene as the governor. That act, slipping my hand into the robes, turning around, I don't even know how to describe it in words. I went from one human life into a completely different life. My eyes saw different colors. My heart was feeling different emotions. My psychology perceived things in a different way. I was transformed. And I never would have had that opportunity. Never would have known that. Known that thing that helped me find a different level of texture and depth in all of my work had I not been cast in that wonderful series of roles. That fundamentally reshaped me as a professional actor. Oh boy, but it also opened my eyes to one of the things that we miss in our training, how to find the gold in every single character. I don't like it when people just say there's no small parts, there's only small actors. I mean, how many times do we hear these same cliche nonsenses? I want to know more. I want you to know more about those characters so we don't need those cliche sayings. We have that knowing, that obvious truth surging in our veins. I did not get the opportunity to get an agent right out of that showcase, but I was cast. I was cast in a show. I was cast in a show by the Pearl Theater Company, which at the time was the oldest classical theater company in New York. Man, getting thrust into their profession was an eye-opener for me because here I had done all this work in NYU and the feedback that I got from the artistic director was that I was a great actor, wonderful to have as a member of the ensemble, but I did not have a professional vocal instrument for the stage. Oh my gosh, does somebody want to give me a refund from all that money that I spent in NYU? How could this possibly be? What I realized was that this is life work. Who says that all of this stuff is supposed to happen in the timeline that the school that you're working in just happens to have? If you're taking a course and it's a month-long course, that doesn't mean that all the training comes in one month. If you're taking a three- or four-year program like you do in an undergraduate program, that doesn't mean that after three or four years, because it's three or four years, all of a sudden you have everything figured out. We evolve as human beings. We grow. We know more. Our capability and our expectation for ourselves has to keep rising. Moving to the standards of one of the top classical theater companies in New York, of course, the standard of my professional vocal instrument had to rise, had to become more, and I had to strive for that. Another great gift of getting to work at the Pearl Theater Company was experiencing the gift of Ray Verda. Ray Verda was a member of that ensemble at the Pearl Theater Company, and he taught me what it was like not just to work, but to get to work professionally when you're surrounded by somebody who has a mentorship muscle. 
Ray Verda is the sort of person who is such a good actor, such a good note-taker. He does everything out of a place of joy. And yet, here he is, one of the great actors on that stage, and he always finds the time to check in with me, this new actor who just graduated, to find out if there was anything that wasn't clear. He saw me standing at the call board one day, puzzled over all the different sign-in sheets and information that was up there, and he took the time to walk me through each and every one of those. Mentorship is crucial. We don't stop growing. We don't stop needing those Vickies, those Nates in our lives. We sometimes get that from friends. We sometimes get that from the people that we work with. But knowing that we need that guide in our life, that thing that we want to grow up to become, became so clear for me. Having that target of who you want to be, of what you want to attain, so important to reaching for the best of yourself. There's another lesson I was learning when I first entered into the profession. It was true that I wasn't getting those calls from those agents, but I kept getting work from people who had worked with me in the past. I had done a show in NYU, and the director was doing something professionally. Also, she had just graduated and asked me if I'd like to be a part of her production. One of the instructors in NYU had written a play. He was casting all the different instructors in all the different studios, and he asked me to be the lead in this show. And wouldn't you know it, it was a narrator-type role where I got to sit and look right into the souls of the audience. Ugh, I always love that in terms of penetrating, in terms of getting through, not talking at, not showing at people our art. It should be pumping in an audience's veins or else, (sighs) or else what? I wasn't cast in the next show at the Pearl Theatre Company, but the audition that I had for that director who was coming up next was something he told me. He said, Aaron, I'm not casting you because of the type of comedy we're doing, and I want people that look a certain way. But if you ever hear me directing something, please reach out because I want you on my team. I'll make sure to get you in there. Years later, I was working as a waiter and just mentioned to somebody else that, ugh, I wish I could do a Shakespeare festival. That would sound so fun. I never even knew about that stuff growing up. How awesome would it be to do that? And this fellow waiter, this friend of mine says, oh, Utah Shakespearean Festival are holding their auditions next week. I went to the Utah Shakespearean Festival, he tells me, and he starts to talk to me about this wonderful place. The associate artistic director of the Utah Shakespearean Festival was that guest director. I asked my friend, this waiter, if he could find a way to get a hold of this guy's phone number. Just let him know. See if I can get an audition in there. The auditions were booked for weeks already. I get a phone call a day later on a Friday afternoon from this director who says to me, Aaron, of course I never forgot that audition. Monday morning, if you can get there early, everybody meets, all the auditioners meet, and they go to breakfast. If you can get there early, they'll fit you in before breakfast. And wouldn't you know it, I got cast at the Utah Shakespearean Festival. Oh my gosh, when I think of the world we're building in Elysium, this idea of celebration of the performing arts. When I got to Utah, I got to see what it was like to have a season of shows that were on an outdoor stage, that were on indoor stages. You had something called the Green Show, which even as audiences walked around the grounds, there were performers delighting them with dance and with tastes of the Shakespearean world that we invited them into. Because I had prepared and set myself up for success with this audition that I did not get, years later I was entering into something that tasted like the beginnings of my understanding 
of what paradise would be like for an actor. Paradise. To get to do this, to show up in this type of festival atmosphere, whoa, that would be amazing. It actually wasn't until the first summer off in my grad program when I auditioned and got accepted at the Chautauqua Theater Company in upstate New York that the next massive piece of that puzzle came into play. Chautauqua doesn't stop just with acting. Chautauqua invites a bunch of developing artists from all different types of disciplines. They spend an entire summer together, training and then performing each in their own disciplines, but were intermingled. And I had the opportunity to be a part of the Chautauqua Theater Company, but also to do something that they had never done before, to find something in an interdisciplinary fashion with their orchestra. We did Stravinsky's A Soldier's Tale. I got to play the devil. Ah! Awesome. Next to, with, alongside, as the orchestra plays Stravinsky's music that was written for the piece. This was an incredible experience and fundamentally shaped my knowing of what it takes to get the best out of a performing artist, to get the best out of an actor. It's not enough to be surrounded by your own tastes and your own disciplines. Actors should walk out on a break from their training and be surrounded by paintings and sculptures, videos and music, things that inspire and broaden your artistic soul. This is what I got all because I had a good audition and somebody remembered that audition and invited me then to be able to be part of the team in Utah. And when I got to Utah, that opened my eyes to the idea of going to grad school. I wasn't even considering that, but all these professional actors seemed to be in grad school. And I auditioned and got accepted to the Harvard grad program in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Harvard's grad program should be fancy enough just because it's Harvard, but they partner with the Moscow Art Theater in Russia, the Yankees stadium of all theater companies. This is where Stanislavski, Konstantin Stanislavski, and his teammates, Anton Chekhov, Michael Chekhov, all the Chekhovs. <laughs> this is where modern acting was born. This is where they started striving for repeatable truth to break free of the idea of the thing, of the form and the shape that was so proper in terms of acting, to get to raw humanity. I got a chance to study there, to study with those Russian artists. There isn't anything I ever learned in NYU, anything I ever learned in Harvard that compared to the tastes that those Russian artists and Russian audiences gave my artistic soul than that, and all because of an audition that I did not get. So I'm turning this around on you. What are those moments that you so thought was the next step of confirming that this is the right career for you, that things were moving forward in the right direction? I can't promise you that a couple years from now, you're going to be a waiter mentioning that you want to do something and someone's going to say, holy moly, go in this direction. But this is laying the seeds out. If you do your work, if you leave the best of yourself behind, these are not forgettable things. Have you forgotten the best performances that you've witnessed, that you've experienced in theater or in film? That stuff stays with you. It reshapes you. It gives you a guidance moving forward. And that's what it was like for me, leading me to Utah Shakes, leading me into the grad program that opens my soul to all these wonderfully crazy Russian artists, that leads me to the Chautauqua Festival, where I get a taste of all these performing artists feeding off of each other. That's why the vision of Elysium is the way it is right now. We want a place where we can invite everybody to our festival, our celebration, our Elysian fields, our paradise of the performing arts. And we want to give them a taste of what it is like to know artistic truth. 
Yeah, then we also want to go out on tour. We can talk about some of that other stuff later on, but we want to go everywhere. We want to go to places and turn those on like a light switch. But yes, this idea of a celebratory paradise of the performing arts was built out of these experiences, out of moments that I thought were failures in my life, but they were just sprinkling the seeds of the path that I would follow later on. Allow me here to take a minute and talk about these wonderfully crazy Russians and what they did to my artistic soul. When I was in grad school at Harvard's American Repertory Theater, they were churning actors in and out. It was a very disorganized world. This was not the sort of place that built off of the investment, the heart and soul, the specificity, the digging in there and setting you up for success that I felt from Vicky and Nate and my teachers in NYU. I was fundamentally disappointed. But then they throw us on a plane, they send us over to Russia for three months, And we get a chance to be immersed in that culture. And it was different. From that moment on, it was no longer about the right objective, the right consequence, all these right tactics and the right, right, right. It was about attempt. It was about finding your truth and reaching into that soul and using it as a springboard for what you wanted to communicate. Audience members in Russia, first of all, all theater shows were sold out, even the ones in underground garages. It was wonderful, such a respect for the art of acting. What audiences talked about afterwards was, did you see how they went for it? Do you see what they were trying to do? Did you get a taste of that? The respect that came, the looking up to, this level of risk, this level of artistic truth, oh, that, that was why I wanted to be an actor. That reminded me of what it's all about, that we are all unique, and that it's scary sometimes to go your own path. Art really is about the fearlessness of being able to reach into your artistic soul and infuse whatever boundaries, whatever form, whatever script, whatever directorial notes, whatever stage, whatever cameras, whatever, whatever, to infuse that with your artistic truth, with your raw, unapologetic, fearless truth. Thank you, Russians, for sure. When I returned after the Chautauqua Theater Summer Festival and I got back to my last year of grad school, it was a good, exciting last year. The American Repertory Theater is a regional theater company, a powerhouse in the American theater landscape. And so while we were taking classes, we're also taking classes next to this professional regional theater company. And in our second year, we get the opportunity to understudy for this regional main stage. Starting with the first show of that season... I was given the lead understudy role. And those same tenants from NYU, the same sense of showing up prepared, ready to live, ready to be the character, instead of standing there for the first rehearsal as an understudy, looking around and expecting people to give me some guidance and cut me some slack because I haven't had any rehearsal as this character. I showed up ready to work. And instead of just muscling through and showing everybody my work, my instrument thirsted to surrender and accept to whatever crazy journey we were going to go on in that understudy run through. From that moment on for the rest of the season, every single show on ART's main stage, I was cast as the lead understudy. I say that to remind you that the people who make these decisions, what are they betting on? When you're looking to cast somebody, somebody in your show that you're investing in that you care about, what are you betting on? You don't know for sure if everything is going to work out. These tenants of showing up prepared, they reverberate through everybody, all of your collaborators. 
showing up ready to be the character, showing up with the best of yourself, and being willing to go with the flow, surrender and accept, to let the moment know more than your brain might know about how things are supposed to go. These are the things that bring out the best of yourself. This is what brought out the best of me and created a sense of trust for people to invest in. This is how our Elysium aesthetic works. We are going to do the things in our time before we get to the audition, before rehearsal starts, before performance that allow us to be the character, to be at the highest levels of your artistic self. It takes work. It takes drive. But you're going to know what to do. And if you're the sort of person who wants to be the best of yourself, then this is the aesthetic for you. This is the world you have been waiting for. It requires you to roar, but I am right there with you. These tools are right there with you. We have got each other's back. I knew from the first moment I ever landed in Vicky's classroom that no matter what success I would ever find as an actor, what I wanted to do with my life was this— This thing that she gave me, the ability to start with a lot of passion, with a lot of drive, but to be able to empower me and inspire me to be the best of myself. And I think this wonderful art form of acting is unique in that way. The ability to live truthfully is something that most people get robbed of in life. There's too many rules. There's too many things that could hurt us or make us feel small. And so we do these things to protect ourselves, but we end up protecting ourselves from actually living life. I couldn't imagine that there's a greater gift to give anybody than to unlock their truth. And so no matter what, I knew I wanted to teach. And when I first landed in Los Angeles, I got hired at a popular neighborhood studio and began teaching. When I started teaching, I started teaching exactly what my teachers had taught me. I mean, whether it was something that Vicky had taught me, whether it was something I learned at the American Repertory Theater, a Russian exercise, you know, I thought about which were my favorites. I thought about a plan of attack and how to lead people from point A to point B. And of course, I started teaching that stuff. But in my first class that I ever had, somebody shot their hand up while we were doing an exercise and they said, why are we doing this? The reflexive answer that I had, which is what my teachers had told me, was, don't think about it, just do it. But really, that stuck with me. And when I went home that night, I just couldn't stop thinking about why exactly do we do that exercise? Okay, it's to help with this instinct thing. Well, well, are there better exercises? Are there exercises to do before that or right after that? Why is this instinct thing the first thing we focus on over here? And all these questions started flooding into me that came down to one central question. What is good acting? All of these choices that my teachers have made, all of these choices that techniques have made, why are they making those choices? At the end of the day, what is good acting? If we don't agree on that together, how do we know we're right to be moving forward together? If we're kindred spirits, if it feels like the teacher you're working with, if they make it make sense, if they get where you're coming from, if they could speak to the life that you live, the needs that you have, the goals you're trying to attain, that's a great match. I know of all these things that I've been taught, of course not all of them are showing up or even remotely applicable to the way that I actually deal with life as an actor. There are lots of things I'm not finding traction on, things that are hard in my life as an actor, whether it's scheduling, whether it's motivation, whether it's knowing how to deal with getting into character, knowing how to deal with a tough day, knowing how to deal with the pull of warming up with everybody else, but also feeling I have my own warm-ups I want to get to. There's so many things that nobody really talks about, that nobody gives you the tools to deal with. 
how do we know if we're moving in the right direction? I guess we both have to figure out what is good acting. And wouldn't you know it, that's going to be next on our agenda after our first break. But before we take that break, I just want to say that I had a significant moment happen to me when I first started teaching at this small studio. I was teaching an on-camera class, and some of the students needed a little bit of extra time. They had really packed up those numbers in those classes to the point where it was inappropriate. Not everybody can really get enough time. And so one scene study group, two people, didn't have enough time to go that day, and they were left without having that information before the weekend. I lived in the area, and so I offered. I said, hey, no problem. I'll come in tomorrow, and we'll put in a good hour if you're able to make it. And they said yes. I show up the next day, and the entire class is there. I asked what everyone was doing, and they said that they learned so much from the notes that would be given to their classmates that they just wanted to be there. Well, we took care of that scene, and then everybody got a chance to go one more time, and I was so proud because in that one day, in that span of less than 24 hours, everybody had taken the feedback that they got the previous day, and they had rehearsed and put it into play, and they had something to let go into to let me get a sense of and give them some direction. I came in on that Monday, and the entire class was lined up and signing up for the next program. This is a private institution that counts on the fact that people want to stick with it. The receptionist who was signing everybody in pointed upstairs, gave me a smile, and said, the big guy wants to talk to you in the office. So I go upstairs to the office, I sit down, and the head of the studio looks at me, and he says, I heard you came in yesterday. Let me ask you a question. Did you make any money from that? I said, no, not at all. I live in the neighborhood. I was just coming over here to make sure everybody got enough time. Not at all. Do you think I made any money off of that? He said. And then it hit me. And I said, no. In fact, I I apologize if I overstepped my bounds. He, I, I could promise you this, though. They learned a heck of a lot. And these guys are going to be ready to roar on Monday. He smiled, got up from his chair, came around the desk and put his hand on my shoulder. And he said, look. If it's about these guys learning anymore or me putting more food on my table, I got to go with B every single time. You know what I mean? Pats me on the back and he says, think about that and walks out the office. I did think about that. In that moment, I thought back to NYU. Here I was somebody who had left pre-med, left everything behind and wanted to just be the best of myself and go for acting. I didn't have any money. I had worked summer jobs, so I had a little bit of savings. All of those savings were committed to that transfer studio, that first semester of NYU. Here I am in the Meisner Extension, entering into my first full year, and I just don't have any money. I'm struggling on food. I'm struggling on being able to pay the money for the dormitory to be able to pay the money that's necessary for books and supplies. It all caught up to me finally, and the head financial administrator invites me into the office at NYU and says, look, at the end of the day, you don't have the money for the dorms, you don't have the money for this, this is a private institution, we suggested you step aside from your studies right now, get some work, we'll keep the door open, and you can reapply and start again at the beginning of the Meisner extension next year after the summer, if you have the money for it. I was crushed. I was crushed. I had nowhere to turn. I knew it was over. I walked into Vicky's office and told her that I wouldn't be able to continue anymore because of this financial situation. 
She asked me how much money we're talking about. And we're, this is NYU. We're talking about tens of thousands of dollars. But they had said to me that unless I came up with $5,000 by that Monday, this is a Friday, by that Monday, then I would have to leave. They would start to move my stuff out of the dorm and into storage. Vicky looked me in the eye and said, I have a family member that I'm going to ask. I, I was like, no, no, no. She just said, listen. It's not a question. I believe in you, Aaron. I believe in you, and this is the least that I can do, is to work behind the scenes over here and see if I can organize this money for Monday. Don't you worry. You're not going anywhere. It didn't end up coming to having to borrow any money, but come Monday when I got to that office, that administrator smiled at me when I walked through the door and said, a lot of people believe in you, Aaron. This administrator was holding a letter signed by my teacher, signed by people that asked them to rethink their decision and to give me a shot to stick with it for this first year and give me the ability to do some work over in the summer. So here I am in this office, having had my shoulder patted and told that if it was between someone learning something more or putting more food on his plate, that this institution goes with B every single time. The next day, I quit my job and I started my first theater company. That theater company was the X Repertory Theater. That X for the X Repertory Theater was out of the Russian word chudoznik, this unknown. I love the sound of that Russian X, that It's a guttural sound. It's a raw sound. And for me, I wanted to start this adventure, launch this ship, saying that we are launching into the unknown. We're not here to do this technique or only do these type of shows or only be this way. We are launching the adventure and the search for truth. This unknown, we're going to scratch and we're going to claw and we're going to move our way forward. Eventually, the ex-repertory theater company gave way to the Elysium world. X was the search for the unknown and Elysium became the finish line. There was a clarity in the type of actor that I wanted to inspire and empower, type of actor that I want to be amidst the directing and the teaching and all the stuff that I was doing, a type of actor, a type of artist that was the yes, the big yes, the thing that we can all agree on, that there was a vision and a direction that we were going to attain. This type of actor wasn't after being good, wasn't after just getting away with things. It's the sort of artist who wants to fulfill their potential, who is infectious in that regard, who wants to do the work, who's eager to roar forward, who understands life is difficult, that we all have challenges. We have challenges in our personalities that make it hard, challenges in the outside world surrounding us that make things hard to do. But those challenges are all part of the game. What other profession would we have over here? We get to be artists. We get to be actors. We get to breathe life into ink on a page. Come on, that stuff is great. The work is worth it if it sets us free and gets us to live in worlds unknown. This is what it was like for me the moment the light bulb of acting went off and to where we sit today. There have been many different challenges. There have been many different epiphanies that have led to different discoveries and success in this work. But it's still one big adventure. It's still one big journey. Ithaca gave you the marvelous journey. Without her, you never would have set out. 
This is what we're after. We're after the adventure of a lifetime. I want you on our side. I want to invest in you. I want to get to the heart of what your challenges are and turn those challenges into trampolines. I had so many people who had my back. You know this now. I will be there for you. The Elysium community will be there for you. We have forums. We have one-on-one mentorship. It's a joy to get you where you want to go. We are teammates, you and I. It's going to require your drive, your desire, your willingness. It's going to require the fearlessness, the risk of surrender and acceptance in the world of the unknown. It's going to require showing up prepared, doing the work, wrestling your inner demons of doubt behind the scenes so that when you show up, you get to live. We're building a paradise over here. We're building a celebration of this art form, a celebration of what you are becoming as an actor. I'm all in and I'm all in with you. When we return from our break, we are going to dive into that first big old question, the question that launched a thousand artistic ships. What is good acting? Catch you after the break. <laughs> 